2: Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. DTW, Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. part, right? Fairness part. And because I think they're the something that, that that really matters is there is a legal definition of fairness, right? You cannot have it's in there, in the light state. You cannot have disparate treatment. You cannot have disparate impact. So mm-hmm. disparate treatment means you cannot you're not allowed to treat people differently based on some sensitive attribute, be it gender or, or or skin color.
2: KCAA Loma Linda 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now
3: 102.3 FM. New York, Governor Andrew Cuomo raised concerns. From
4: a medical point of view, I don't know what you would be accomplishing. Uh, but I can tell you, I just I don't even like the sound of it.
3: The president earlier today attended a send-off in Norfolk, Virginia, for the U.S. Navy hospital ship Comfort, now on its way to New York. While Paul Verkammen reports its sister ship Mercy is already docked in the port of Los Angeles.
1: The crew members forbidden to disembark. That is how serious they are about keeping this in its isolation bubble, as well on the other side, any patient who is admitted to this hospital ship will be thoroughly screened and checked out.
3: The number of coronavirus deaths in the U.S. now tops 1,900. I'm Jan Johnson. In Great Britain, the Prime Minister and Health Secretary are among the thousands testing positive for coronavirus. Correspondent Bianca Nobilo reports. Government is going to continue pretty much as usual. However, if the symptoms of the Health Secretary or the Prime Minister deteriorate, that will be greater cause for concern. In the United Kingdom, we don't have the same kind of clarity of succession as you do in the United States. We do, however, in this instance, have a first Secretary of State, a man by the name of Dominic Raab, who would step in and fill borrow, Johnson's shoes. In Italy, the tragic count of cases and numbers of those who've died continues to rise, as correspondent Ben Wiedemann tells us from Rome.
0: The actual number of cases of coronavirus in Italy, unfortunately, is probably well over the current number that was reported this evening, which was 92,472 cases. I'm Jan Johnson.
1: Sketchers present. From the Bureau of Economic Geology, this is Earth Date. Once an ice skater gets going, friction between her skate and the ice creates a microscopic layer of water that allows the skate to hydroplane. But before she can get to speed, and friction can melt the ice, it's still slippery enough for her to start her glide. Why is ice so slippery? In the 1800s, scientist Michael Faraday conducted experiments to show that ice, even well below freezing, has a very thin layer of water on its surface. But the technology to see this layer did not exist, nor did the scientific understanding to prove that it was there. It would be more than 100 years before scientists could finally see Faraday's water layer using X-ray imaging, and still later that they could measure it. Turns out, this thin layer is very thin indeed thousands of times thinner than a sheet of paper. In fact, it's just a couple of molecules thick. When water freezes, its molecules interlock tightly to create the crystalline structure of ice, held together by four hydrogen bonds. But the molecules on the surface of ice can only bond to the molecules just beneath them with just three hydrogen bonds. This won't allow a stable crystalline surface. This strange, disordered molecular state of water on the surface of ice will persist down to minus 36 degrees Fahrenheit. But if the temperature goes below that, ice will no longer be slippery, sometimes with disastrous results, which we'll talk about on another Earth Day. I'm Scott Tinker.
3: Earth Day is produced by the Bureau of Economic Geology at the University of Texas at Austin. With support from Schlumberger, helping oil and gas companies increase production and efficiency while lowering environmental impact. You can hear more EarthDate stories at earthdate.org.
5: Do you have a debt problem? Are you being sued for an unpaid debt? Is your paycheck being garnished or your bank account emptied out? Do you feel like you're running out of options? The Fulman Firm is your friendly local law firm next door and has helped thousands of people just like you. Give us a call at 833-FULMAN and see if we can help you too. It's a free confidential consultation. You have nothing to lose. For debts above $7,000, give us a call at 833-FULMAN or check out FULMANFIRM.com. That's 833-F-U-L-L-M-A-N. The Fulman Firm. Let our lawyers get you on the path to financial freedom proceeding is not intended as a guarantee or estimate of the outcome of your case. Every case is unique and past results are not indicators of the success of your case. Take control of your financial future and call 833-FULMAN or visit fullmanfirm.com now. Get ready for a brand new show on KCAA Zero Point Health with Taylor Fakus and the incredible ZPA crew. They're fit, strong, experienced, passionate, and the team is ready to help you achieve greater fitness in mind, body, and spirit. Taylor and the ZPA crew operate Zero Point Athletics Holistic Center in Cala every day, where you'll find them on Instagram at Zero Point Athletics. And you can catch them right here on Thursdays at 3 p.m. on KCAA 1050 AM, 106.5 FM and talk 102.3 FM.
6: Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Welcome to the Voice of Islam radio show. You're joined today by myself, Irma Ghanjitala, and Usama Safi, who's dialing in. Assalamu alaikum, Usama.
7: As- As- as-salam. Thank you, everyone, for joining the Voice of Islam radio show. The Voice of Islam radio show is brought to you by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the oldest Muslim community established in the United States. Our uh, message of true Islam is something that you can see spreading to the corners of the earth. If you want to learn more about, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community go to trueislam.com and uh, we look forward to having this interesting conversation with you. If you want to send us a message, you can email us at the voice of Islam Radio Show at gmail.com, the voice of Islam Radio Show at gmail.com. Uh, Armagh, how are you doing today?
6: You know what? I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, I think we're, we're just finally starting to get pretty well adjusted to this quarantine life. And, yeah. uh, you know, the yeah. weather's been great. I see snow caps on the mountains and so. Uh, so I'm doing good, and you know the the thing, Osama, I saw, I was driving here on the 10 freeway, and uh-huh. I saw that there is some poppies starting to bloom on the side of the freeway, and so it looks like there's uh-huh. some yeah. some new life in the face of all this stuff going on. How are you doing, Osama?
7: Yeah, yeah, I read something about Italy is now seeing fish and clear water in Venice because humans are not there anymore, to populate it and, and destroy things, and we did here in California have a lot of rain, and, um, you know, the past week, so... A lot of us, while we were indoors, the outdoors is hopefully flourishing, and that might be kind of a sign that, you know, the spring might be coming. But from what I can tell, at least from my Google research, it seems like the coronavirus is going to be with us for at least some time, and we're really going to have to do our best to stay inside and uh, try to diminish it through social distancing, which we are practicing here. As individuals might be able to tell, I am actually phoning in, and uh, Armagon is in the studios himself. Um, So we're practicing social distancing, practicing the uh, requirements of our government. But we're hopeful that uh, you're practicing social distancing, too. And if you have any questions about the coronavirus, remember to go to CDC.gov. There's a lot of uh, pseudoscientists out there that know what they're talking about, and that's why they're called pseudoscientists. So go to CDC.gov and get the information you need. Stay safe and stay clean. That's um, right,
6: Osama. And, yeah. you know, last week we had this excellent discussion with Rabbi Cohen. We had him on the line, and and, and then we had Imam Tariq from Baltimore calling in, and uh-huh. they both shared really good and enlightening kind of, you know, points of views with regards to what's going on now and with regards to kind of the, the perspective of religiosity. And yeah. some of the takeaways were, oh, well, you I know... I like that word, really, religiosity. <laughs> i
7: got to add that to my... Uh...
6: But, I, I hope I didn't just it make works. it. If I did, uh, hopefully not. It sounds smart. I believe you. <laughs> but uh, but you know they they talked about you know the concepts of using this as an as a as an opportunity for empathy and using this as an opportunity for 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 doing good like not hoarding and, and taking care of their neighbors and you know right, like right. the poppy that I saw driving over and I thought oh that's pretty beautiful. I saw on on I guess the the technology freeway on the internet uh, a little thirty second clip of a Young man who's about the age of your oldest son, going door to door with his mom, giving neighbors um, supplies and just a note of encouragement. Osama, what yeah, was that like? Yeah. Tell us about that.
7: Yeah, that was fun. You know, I want to take a credit for it, but really, it was uh, my wife's idea. She's kind of the better half. Um, no, she kind of she is the better half. Let me <laughs> correct myself. <laughs> and uh, you, you know, we I, in our last episode we talked about you know using this as an opportunity for humanity to get them closer together and my wife had the idea of creating these little care packages of uh, things that people might need like toilet paper since that's now a hot commodity um, um uh, some candy of course a little bit of a, a small rubik's cube and a granola bars and canned food to uh, our neighbors around us and it was a really positive experience we had people that actually shared uh, uh snacks with us or somebody gave us a box of chocolate and they had a uh, Bible verse, too. So I think it's a, it's a bit of an interesting interfaith um, experience because, you know, yeah. uh, my wife is going – we're going to go My wife – where's a job? My name's Osama. You kind of guess what religion <laughs> we are, you know? So um, I, I think that invited a little bit of an interfaith dialogue to the, the folks that like, message us. There was always this, you know – God bless Elman, and and, and when we received the bottle of chocolates from one of our neighbors, there was a verse from the Bible. So I think it's a good opportunity for people to become closer to God, and even if, you know, there wasn't, like, a religious sentiment in terms of our action, I think people naturally, during this time, are inclining towards God. I think the Italian Prime Minister at one point told his people, because of the devastation that's happening there, that now, what you should do is turn towards God and ask for mercy. Ask to... To be saved um, from the crisis of the coronavirus that's be, that, that they're being particularly hit with, and I think us in America, even though we're you know more of a generally agnostic country at least in terms of the modern trend, there's uh, still that inclination I think for people to get closer to God, and I think we really hit on that in the last show, and we'll you know focus a little bit more too in, in discussing the aspects of that in today's show. But um, it was it was nice to kind of you know do something that was, uh, you know, uh, just a really simple act, just putting things together. I think people are getting frightened unnecessarily in in the current times when they hear stories about gun stores having long lines and stuff like that and worrying about looting and whatnot to know that the neighbors around you are people that care for you. And there's a lot of humanity that can come out of this uh, through this tragedy that we're in.
6: Absolutely, yeah. I, I saw yeah. that. Uh, I saw that clip uh, that you had shared, and I thought I was like, you know what, Usama is do. He's he's one up me here. He's he's actually putting in <laughs> practice what we talked about. Whereas yeah. right now I'm just sitting in front of YouTube, uh, just trying to occupy my time. So, so. Uh, but I appreciate uh-huh. you 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 sharing that, and and it really is a reminder that you know we shouldn't yeah. you know, not just talk about it, but let's actually put it in practice. And and you know last yeah. week's discussion was great you know we've been having some really good discussions around this coronavirus of course this coronavirus has thrown us for a wild card and we've had to kind of uh set you know augment our 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 kind of syllabus of the show for the year and start talking about these things and and that's the point of the show is we're talking about current events and how they're going um but now that we've kind of gotten into the rhythm of kind of dealing with this coronavirus we've been in quarantine now we're kind of getting back to business as usual and Mm -hmm. and i think we have a really great uh, topic for today, and it's kind of really the antithesis of, of our community mm-hmm. and of, of our, you know, our, our whole purpose of doing this show, and that's kind of the topic of the second coming of the Messiah, mm-hmm. which is something that, you know, not just, you know, Muslims or Christians, but pretty much all um, of the major faiths are waiting for Every, Most of the major yeah. faiths are, 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 are kind of waiting for their version of the second coming of Messiah.
7: Yeah, 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 and recently, uh, this past week, the the Muslim community celebrated the promised Messiah Day. Um, so that being an important, you know, remember, remember reminder to us that in our community we believe that the Messiah has come in the form of Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, um, and it's it's an interesting time because I think a lot of people are pointing towards God and looking to God, and a lot of religions are waiting for a Messiah figure to appear and now we have that opportunity to you know have that discussion here with everybody and look at it from different religions and look at it from the islamic perspective and it's particularly the perspective of the muslim community which is of course synonymous with islam so um i believe we also have with us a very special guest we have
8: Joya joyous um, with us Asalaamu alaikum <laughs> 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 imam Saab. wa alaikum assalam JazakAllah for having me, sir
6: imam joya how are you doing where where are you calling from by the way I, I i heard hawaii i wanted to confirm
8: um yes i'm calling from uh oahu it's uh, it's one of the islands of hawaii
6: very nice how and how is it in in oahu if i could ask really quick that's actually i haven't even <laughs> thought about mean,
8: uh, you mean in terms of the coronavirus that's going around, or yeah, yeah, in, or the weather? We're very jealous. We, we wish so we were there
7: right
8: now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's good, uh, but tourism because uh, Hawaii's industry is almost all of it is built on tourism, so it's literally just gone to zero. Like literally, like maybe one percent. So because of that, we're suffering a lot, and we're also quarantined uh, for about two weeks now. Even though we have very little cases so far, about 120 uh, last time I checked. Gotcha.
6: Well, Imam Joya, we're 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 happy that you can join us, and we're hoping that you know you and and, and your loved ones continue to do well. As as we're hoping that we're continuing to do well here, here in the uh, lower forty eight as well. And now, kind of getting yeah. getting into the discussion, I want to kind of set you up, Imam Joya, and and um, you know get your take on this. So you know the discussion we're having is with relation to the second coming of a Messiah, which, like I mentioned at the start of the show. Um, most major religions are waiting for, you know, for the, the, the Jewish faith. They're waiting for the anointed one who's going to be a descendant from David's line. For Christians, they're waiting for the second coming of Jesus on earth and the resurrection of the dead. Um, in Islam, they're waiting for the Madhi, which is the guided one, um, and who is a prophesied redeemer. Um, Buddhism, they're waiting for the great matri- matriarch who will achieve dharma and achieve a, a, a pure state. And in Hinduism, they have uh, actually two reformers that they're waiting for. They're waiting for uh, Kalki, who's going to be the final in- incarnation of Vishnu, if I, if I have that right, and then uh, Krishna. Um, so, you know, Imam Joya, this, this obviously is a very important subject for millions and millions of people around the world. Um, what's your take? What is, what, what is our take on, the, on the, this awaiting of the Messiah?
8: So, like you've mentioned, uh, 100% correct that uh, almost all faiths in the world, and perhaps billions of people, are waiting for um, a divine appointed one, the anointed one, to appear um, in this world and redeem or or save the world from the sin that and you know the the chaos that it is right now. So uh, maybe perhaps you think it would be a good idea to just go a little bit back towards the history of the um, the Messiah or the Messianic uh, figure, or should we start where, like, as of now?
6: Yeah, no, I, I think let, let's start with the history. Let's kind of lay some groundwork and, and, and get an understanding of where this thought comes from and then bring it forward in history.
8: Right. So um, basically... Based on what I have uh, learned so far, is that it, it it originated from Judaism, and that is because in Judaism, after King David peace be upon him, um, there was a long period of for about of about a thousand years of uh, of Jewish foreign occupation, where various uh, empires invaded or came into Jerusalem, the Holy Land, and occupied right, it, right. and that. Uh, included the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Hellenistic you know rulers, the Persians, and then the Romans later on, very close to um, Jesus Christ's time. Um, so because of that, there had been this um, you know thought developed that the Messiah will come. Like you mentioned, it literally means uh, Messiah is from a Mahia in uh, Hebrew or a Christos in Greek, uh, which has the same meaning and. Um, this is the anointed one, the savior, the, the king, basically, who would come and save the Jews from, um, you know, from the calamity that they had been facing for centuries by this time. So this was, um, you know, this is where it came from. But at the same time, I think it will be incomplete to mention, uh, not to mention that uh, in Arabic language, the word Masih has slightly different connotation. Um, the word Masih uh, is from Mim mean Ha, and uh, Hebrew and Arabic languages, uh, you know, they uh, are based on the root system. Um, so, uh, based on um, this word, root, it has two meanings. One is um, to travel, and the other is to touch. So, interestingly, both of these imply to Jesus Christ, feast upon him, and the second figure who was um, having said that, like what it means is that that individual or that promised one uh, would travel um, immensely, and uh, it, it also means that his message would travel across the world, across the world. Um, secondly, he, he would have a healing power, meaning his teaching would have healing powers. Or, as we know, in the case of Jesus, based upon him, that how he uh, was given or was blessed with. Special healing powers by um, by touching um, patient. So so these both meanings are there. I just thought that that might be a good idea to introduce the word, and then over over time, this word has become um, a symbolic uh, meaning of as a savior, someone who would uh, come and uh, save, um, especially the oppressed the poor. And when Jesus Christ came, you know they, they were the Jews, especially they were looking or they were waiting for. Uh, a messianic figure who would be apocalyptic, who would come and, you know, would, you know, would uh, bring back the glory, uh, and politically speaking, would bring back the glory of, 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 of the Jews. But as we all know, that this is not how history has recorded <coughs> Jesus' peace upon him to be, and he was, uh, um, you know, a, a, a person, a prophet who taught compassion, who taught uh, sacrifice for others, so who, who, who taught everything and almost uh, almost everything mm-hmm. opposite to what the Jews had, uh, you know, previously believed about Jesus Christ or the promised uh, Messiah.
6: Yeah, and, <clears throat> and you know, Imam Joya, when I was, you know, preparing for this, this show today, and I was doing some reading, and, and, and I was looking at all of the various signs from, from the different religions, and I thought they were so fascinating, mm-hmm. and I want to actually share those really quick and and, and mm-hmm. kind of get your take and, and then you know with these signs these might actually help us kind of follow the historic line of, of The beliefs the signs and then getting into mm-hmm. you know that the the true Messiah and you know I'll start with in the, the book of Matthew um, and, I'll, and all of these are paraphrases in the book of Matthew. Jesus says to watch out for that one uh, Who deceives you and then further down in the book of Matthew? Mm-hmm. There's a quote or a paraphrase I'll share which is you will hear of wars and uh, rumors of wars in, in that age then going further down in the book of Luke, um, there is a, a, a paraphrase for nations will rise against nation, kingdom will rise against kingdom, great earthquakes, famines, and great pestilences will occur, which a lot of which we're, we're kind of seeing today. We have mm-hmm. the pet- pestilence of the coronavirus. And then, you know, if we were to look at the, you know, the, the Judaic faith in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, Daniel it's mentioned that they awaited the Messiah, uh, and the prophecy was mm-hmm. that... To, uh, 2,300 days uh, from the, the, the day that the temple was cleansed. Uh, in the Old Testament, it mentions this this specific reference of 2,300 days. Is this something that you're familiar with? Uh,
8: this exact reference, I'm not sure, but uh, in general, uh, you're very right. So uh, basically, all these signs of so Jesus Christ did talk about a second coming. Um, in detail, right? And like you said, he will come like a thief at night or in in, in, a, uh, in, in a way that nobody will notice, or the earthquakes and the famines and the floods and all, all these signs definitely are mentioned in the New Testament, in the Gospels. Um, and that is something that I think that people should uh, open their eyes towards and realize that all those signs have been fulfilled um, but yet, where is that Messiah? Is mm-hmm. is he going to come physically, or is he going to come uh, metaphorically? That, I think, is the question that everybody should ask. Anyone who has even a little bit the slightest of interest,
6: yeah. In and, faith. and and you know, where, where I came upon this twenty three hundred day reference, and I want to just kind of share some of the readings that I had. So it, I was <laughs> looking at a lot of a lot of Christian and Judaic scholars, and they were pointing to you know the time frame of the Victorian era around the eighteen hundreds. And I was trying to figure mm-hmm. out where these these scholars came to this date from and, and, and a lot of these mm-hmm. these articles and, and newspaper printings that were, they were pointing to this reference of twenty three hundred days and basically it goes as follows that um, mm-hmm. in, in the old testament the prophecy is after twenty three hundred days the temple will be cleansed. Um, in the old testament the day the the day which is used represents a year, and so twenty three hundred days actually means twenty three hundred years. And if we mm-hmm. count the date and, and this, again, is, is from the writings of Christian scholars. If we count the date that the Great Temple was rebuilt in Jerusalem and had 2,300 years, we'll come to the conclusion that it is around the mid-1800s. And so I thought this was so, so fascinating because there were, there was all this reference. The Victorian age has obviously passed, and so mm-hmm. if, uh, if the Great Reformer, if the Messiah has already come, well, then he came in the past, and a lot of us have already m- missed him. I- isn't that right?
8: Right. So, um, you know, there are a lot of similarities, and, and obviously that is in the name of the Messiah as well, right? So he was to resemble son of Mary, Jesus, peace upon him. So uh, out of many similarities that he had, one of it was um, that he would appear at the appointed time, and he would appear, and uh, not many people will realize until he had already gone. So exactly the same thing has happened, that he came and he left, and people have not realized that he um, had come with great signs, uh, great prophecies endorsed by the Quran, the Bible, and the Hadith, things of the Prophet Muhammad. Um, mm-hmm. And he also himself presented many prophecies that came into fulfillment, um, as you know, in the Quran, God says that it's only God who reveals the unseen to people, to the chosen ones. So... Mm-hmm. Um, based on that it is the right second coming he also clarified this misunderstanding just like Jesus did that the second coming of Elijah would not be a physical but a spiritual one and that was John the Baptist uh that he that Jesus said that in that that is the second coming metaphorically speaking so it was the second coming metaphorically speaking of the Jesus Christ to this world mm-hmm. and, yeah. and um so, so that's the uh,
6: and now, for any of our, our guests listening at home that are finding this this conversation interesting, you can call us at eight 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 nine zero nine ten fifty. That's eight 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 nine zero nine ten fifty. And I, I, Imam Joy, I, I really want to kind of punctuate what you just said uh, because you know we've been talking about the various signs and in um, Jewish writings and in uh, Christian writings and in and, and Hindu and Buddhist beliefs, and and you just made a statement that. The Promised Messiah, this this Imam Mahdi of the age, as, as the Muslims are waiting mm-hmm. for, he came in the 1800s, so he is the fulfillment of all of the prophecies from these various religions. Could you tell us a little bit more about the Promised Messiah?
8: Yes, so um, the Promised Messiah that we're referring to um, is uh, a person who was born and raised in Kadian, a very small, remote village in the province of Punjab, India. He was born in 1836, and uh, towards the uh, end of, uh, or towards the second half of the 19th century is when he claimed that God has spoken to him, and God has told him repeatedly uh, that he is that promised one for whom nations had been waiting for centuries. And it is him about whom Holy Prophet, peace upon him, had made various prophecies, including the eclipse of the sun and the moon. Um, so so he, uh, he said that I did not want to go public, I did not want to um, show my relationship with my Creator, but he almost forced me to do that. And it is on his order, on his command, that I have come forth and I'm announcing this that I am that Imam Mahdi, the guided one, the promised one, who was to appear to bring back the faith of Islam and, in reality, the faith in trust, in, in belief in Allah, in God the Almighty, uh, uh, for the people. So that he came, I, he said that I have come for two purposes. Number one, that mankind should establish a living relationship with their Creator. And number two, that mankind, mankind should have. A compassion should establish a sense of love and compassion and affection for the other human beings. So this was the two purposes which he came uh, which in reality is uh, the true teaching of Islam and the Holy Prophet speaks upon him.
6: Gotcha. Now, Imam Joyet, you know, in, in kind of what we shared and, and what my understandings of both mainstream Islamic beliefs as well as, uh, you know, Christian beliefs, is most people are awaiting Jesus you know everybody's waiting for Jesus to come back they think Jesus is literally going to come back and so
0: this
2: that's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's
6: obviously throws a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a completely different um, side to the story. And, you know, you're saying this, you know, this Imam Mahdi, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, came in India and clearly he's not Jesus. So can you kind of clarify, you know, cause that, where that distinction comes from? And, and um, you know, how is the whole world waiting for Jesus when the Muslims believe that Mirza Ghulam Ahmad came in the person of Jesus?
8: Mm-hmm. So, uh, for that, I'd go back a little bit towards uh, Prophet Moses, peace upon him. Prophet Moses made a prophecy that a prophet was to appear who would resemble him. And when Prophet Muhammad, peace upon him, the founder of the religion of Islam, appeared, he was revealed by God the Almighty, and it is the verse in the Holy Quran, in which God says that, Inna arsalna ilaykum rasulan That we have sent to you, O people, a messenger who is witness over you, just like we we had sent a messenger to Pharaoh. So this shows that Prophet Muhammad resembles Moses. Okay. Now, um, as we see in the in Prophet Moses, there was a chain of prophets, a chain of you know, uh, kings, and after about 12 centuries, um, towards the 13th and 14th centuries, that's when Jesus sees upon him appeared to be the Messiah. In a similar manner, after 13 centuries, a person was to appear who was to be the Messiah for the second Moses, which is the prophet Muhammad. Now, coming back to your original question about Jesus, how come uh, Jesus cannot come for the second time, It should be noted that according to the Holy Quran, according to historical evidences, according to the Holy Bible, Jesus, peace be upon him, was a prophet. He lived a humble life, you know, a life of compassion and caring for others. His teachings were, by the way, wonderful and inspirational for anyone who even reads it today. Um, But when he was put on the cross, it is evident that he survived the cross, and he resuscitated. He did not resurrect. You see, Jesus, according to our belief, according to the understanding of the Bible that we have, is that he survived the cross, as he had himself predicted, that no sign, when he was asked for um, for a sign, he said, no sign shall be shown to this evil and adulterous generation except the sign of Prophet Jonah, just as he remained in the valley of the Will for three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man remain in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. So he was referring to himself and resembling himself to Prophet Jonah, that how he went Mm -hmm. into the belly of the whale or the fish alive and came out alive, so would he go through a very near death experience. So this chosen, there are many, many other evidences from the Bible. Some of them, for example, scientifically speaking, um, you know, blood and water gushed out of his body. Blood does not gush out of a dead person's body. If he in reality died, Mm -hmm. blood could not have, uh, medically speaking, um, gushed out. And either gushed out or rushed out, these adverbs are used in in different versions. But both have similar meanings. So this is a very strong, and then there's a hundred pounds of uh, a certain kind of herbal medicine that was put, the mir and ore, was applied on his body, according to the Bible. And then, he's you know, how he resuscitated and he goes to his disciples and how he shows his wounds to show them, I'm the same person. And then he's concealing himself, he's hiding. Um, all these, And then he's hungry, he eats red bread and, um, you know, and fish. These all indicate that it was the same individual who was fatigued, and uh, who had just recovered, or was recovering from a very severe uh, physical, um, you know, torture. And eventually we believe that he went to the East to fulfill the purpose of his very life that he himself predicted. He said, I have been sent to the lost sheep out of the house of Israel. Yeah. And as we know that Israel, the sheep means the tribe. There were only two tribes in Jerusalem at that time. The other ten had already scattered towards the east. So for them, we believe that after his resuscitation, he migrated to the east to preach to the other lost tribe of the House of Israel to fulfill his life mission. And eventually he passed away at the age of 120, according to Islamic traditions. Um, and then his his tomb is in, in Kashmir, um, in a neighborhood called uh, Khaniar, so he is uh, buried there. In fact, so it is impossible, logically, scientifically, um, rationally, to say that he would come back. You know, when a person has already right. passed away, it is a phenomena that you know no one can be exempted from. So,
7: Imam this is a great discussion, and it really provides a bit of a scientific perspective to something that many people just accept on a basis of faith alone. But for our mm-hmm. viewers that may be listening. We're coming in with this claim that Mirza Ghulam Ahmed is the promised Messiah. And, of course, many people are going to think that anybody can make the claim that they are the Messiah. There was that claim in 2012 um, with that preacher, I remember, whose billboards were everywhere saying that the world was going to end and the Mayan calendar saying the same and him claiming to be the Messiah. How can we believe or how can we tell those people that Mirza Ghulam Ahmed is the promised Messiah and how… Can we prove someone to that who, you know, doesn't know anything about Islam, doesn't really know anything about religion?
8: Okay. Um, So fundamentally, like you mentioned, everybody is waiting for the promised one, the anointed one to come, right? That uh, everybody would agree. And then the time period, like you mentioned, many Christians, at least, they were waiting for um, that promised one to appear in the 19th century, okay? Now, um, when it comes to knowing whether Mirza Ghulam Muhammad, peace be upon him, was that promised one, and how do we know that he was a promised one? It is very easy. very easy to um, to conclude whether he was or not. He wasn't, according to the Prophet Muhammad, just like other prophets who had given the glad tidings of this promised one. Uh, he made he gave a certain certain. Indications, certain signs um, that promised, uh, the Holy Prophet said that if these signs are fulfilled, you should know that it is that promised uh, Messiah or the, the Imam Mahdi, and you should go and pledge your allegiance to him and say my Islam to him. And even if you have to crawl over the mountains of um, ice, you have to go and say that. And then the signs, he said, he said, there are two signs that have never been shown, have never been given to anyone. And these two signs are something that are beyond human intervention. Anybody, like you said, can claim that he is the Messiah. Um, mm-hmm. There are many claimants who have already made the claim. It's not the only Messiah, um, but there are others as well. But his sign was that he said, um, Prophet Muhammad said, and this is in Arabic, that for my Mahdi, there are two signs. Lam takuna these two signs have never been shown since the creation of the heavens and the earth. Kamaru min minal Ramadani, that the, uh, the moon will eclipse on the first night in the month of Ramadan and the Shamsu fin that in the same month, the sun will also eclipse in the middle of the night in which it is supposed to eclipse. Uh, and then he said that these two signs, again, he emphasizes that these two signs have never been shown in the past. So this is, some you know, there are many people who say, well, maybe the Ahmadiyyas are, you know, God forbid, agents of, of British, mm-hmm. or maybe they implanted it. So this is something that mm-hmm. is beyond human power. And when Mirza Ghulam Ahmed made this claim, peace be upon him, that he is that promised one, many scholars, Muslim scholars, who came up with these hadiths, which is, Found in Dara Kutani and many many other about ten different uh, hadith books. They came with this hadith in their hands that where is the sign, um, and let it be assured that this sign was shown in 1894. Um, this phenomena was shown in the Asian hemisphere and as well as in the European hemisphere. And because of that, there was mass conversion um, of people who accepted this Messiah um, Imam Mahdi, and this was a clear. And to this date, it is a clear indication that uh, you have a sign of sun eclipse and a moon eclipse, and the in certain months, in the month of Ramadan, and then it is told that in which order these sun and the moon will eclipse, and then there should be a claimant as well who is present uh, at that right. time. So right. all all, all this, this was not just one sign; these were there are five six different conditions right. that were fulfilled. It be right. no, thank thank you, so.
7: That really gives a nice yeah. kind of envelope and understanding of what is going on, at least some real objective signs that people can look towards that otherwise you know, no real person can predict from so many centuries ago in predicting the time of the time of the promised Messiah. Um, but this is a discussion that we're likely going to continue to be having, and we want to thank you for coming on with us. Um, I'm sure we will be talking to you again soon. I hope you stay safe, stay inside, try not to go surfing too much. <laughs> Those beautiful uh, Hawaiian, Hawaiian um, waves, but uh, it's,
8: it's, 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 if you if you, if you allow me for uh for a few more minutes, if I can just talk about the coronavirus in relation to the Madi, sure, please. Uh, or please. do you, do are we out of time? I'm not please, sure. Yeah,
7: your, sure, of course, we wrap up with that.
8: So you, you know, just uh, as a follow up um, answer to your question about Imam Mahdi, we all know this day that how the. Has affected millions of people and it's not sparing anyone including all the way from the head of state to the princes and the and the prince uh, and the king um but let me take you back to about 120 years in 1905 mm-hmm. there was another bubonic plague which was very similar and it also spared no one um before it's apparent and this was the black bubonic plague as it was indicated especially mm-hmm. the, uh, manifested in the asian um, Continent. Um, before this plague uh, appeared, uh, the uh, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad made a prophecy that this plague is there is a disease that is um, coming into place in this earth, and uh, he warned the people to repent, to you know, to believe in God, to start doing good work. And then when this um, plague was uh, manifested, he said that my family, my followers, will be saved. From this calamity, and it, it, it would there were millions who died, uh, but it was none of his followers were um, were ever harmed. There was one person; his name was Malvi Muhammad Ali, uh, who was in Qadian and who started exhibiting and showing the signs of the plague. Um, and when uh, Promised Messiah found out about it, he visited um, Malvi Saib, and he Malvi Saib said that uh, Huzur, allow me to denounce my faith so that nobody would object to your prophecy and your claim that, you know, uh, you had already made the claim that nobody will die from this plague. And if I denounce my faith, then nobody will have the reason to object to your claim. Ghulam Ahmed said, nothing is going to happen to you, and if something happens to you, if you die, then I will be a liar. So this was the faith that he had, and he said, you will be cured. And eventually, of course, this person recovered and he lived a long life afterwards so these are just signs like like how confident he was and how big of a claim it was that um this plague will take place and once it does he said my followers will be saved and they will that will become a sign and if they my i was just talking to my mom yesterday and she told me her family accepted it because they saw many people in the same village dying um and being wiped out of fear and then only family that was an Ahmadiyya family would be saved. And this became a sign, and, and many people accepted because of that as well. I just thought I should share that. Thank you very much. Uh,
7: well, so well thank you again for be. coming on the show. Uh, Assalamu alaikum. I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Okay,
6: exactly. And now it looks like at this time we have Jonathan Gaffar on the line joining us. Uh, Jonathan Ghaffar, Assalamu alaikum. May peace be on to you.
4: Wa alaikum.
6: wa So, you know, we're, we're sitting here and, and You know, I think initially we had anticipated that we would have a concise discussion about the second coming of the, of the, you know, the Imam of the age, the Messiah. And as Imam Joya kind of set us up wonderfully, we're realizing that this is a huge topic and are, we're probably going to have to do a (laughs) multi-part series on this. And so, you know, in in summary, we've talked about the signs of the Messiah and then we fast forwarded to the actual coming of the Messiah. But now I want to kind of step back again and, you know... Jonathan Gafara, I I know you are a expert when it comes to um, comparisons of the Quran and the Bible, and so I want to pose a question to you that I asked earlier, and that's with regards to the the signs um, in 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 you know in Jewish writings and in Christian writings and even in Islamic writings uh, with you know with regards to the book of Matthew and the book of Luke about the Messiah coming, and I had asked a question to Imam Joya about you know the times of wars and rumors of war. The Book of Luke mentions the uh, rise and fall of kingdoms, famines, and great earthquakes and great pestilences. So could you shed some more light on these passages and, and kind of let us know in context how they fit in today?
4: Well, to me, it's because I talk to a lot of Christians, and every time I bring up these types of verses, the first thing they say, or any even like just a general skeptic, they counter with this kind of statement that, oh, wars happen all the time, pestilences happen all the time. It's like, how do you, you're just assigning a significance to something that happens regularly, so that doesn't count. That's the, that's their argument. And so, even though the Christians, of course, use Matthew like the, like the verses you quoted, they use them all the time, right? And so what, to me, is actually more kind of relevant is... The fact that, of course, natural disasters and disease and wars and famines and all this kind of stuff is going to happen as a natural result of human nature, you could say. It's like when there are verses, for instance, in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, that you can't, you can't uh, decipher, really. You don't really know what they mean. And they, they give you this information that once you have it on your radar... It's it's crystal clear, and my favorite verse in that in that realm is uh, from Matthew uh, chapter twenty three verse thirty nine. Matthew twenty three thirty nine is the part where Jesus Jesus is telling his disciples like I have to go away, but I'm going to come back, right? So this is how we now refer mm-hmm. to what we think of as the second coming. Um, but what's fascinating is what Jesus actually says. He says, well, a couple of things I need to explain. Basically, they say, when will we see you again, is what his disciples asked Jesus. And Jesus' response is, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So what's interesting is that in the Greek, that word for see has a, a different connotation that you can interpret it as, which is the word recognize. What these disciples are really asking them is, okay, you say you're going away, but you're going to come back again, meaning later. I mean, maybe, could be hundreds of years, right? And so they were expecting him in their lifetime, but it didn't really happen. And so when, when you read the verse as, how will how will we recognize you, it makes a lot of sense, because he's not going to be the same person. And so the same way when Jesus right. answers, you have to keep that in mind, is that is he's saying, you will not recognize me as being who I am, the second coming, because, A, I'm not coming in the same body, just like uh, Jesus said, uh, John the Baptist was the second coming of Elijah, Right. So in the same way, how could he then change the rules and physically come back himself when he already told you how second comings happen? They're metaphorical. So one again, thing I don't
7: understand, sorry to cut you off, Jonathan, is that a lot of religions, even in Islam, a lot of mainstream Muslims, they all have we all have this very literal belief in things happening. And it's almost as if We don't add the metaphorical aspects of religion when they clearly are metaphorical. Why do you think there is such a literal belief in so many different religions?
4: It's it's just part of the fact that yeah, it's just part of the fact that like deep spiritual meaning or metaphysical meaning is the first thing you lose in in a time of ignorance or you know like just believing what other people tell you, right? So it's like. It's very easy to fall into this thing where you just take things literally. Right? I mean, this is the problem with Christians reading the Bible, it's the problem with Muslims reading the Quran. They take stuff literally. It's like in the in the Quran where it says, be ye apes and swine despised, and the Muslims actually think God turned the Jews into apes and swine. Literally. Right? That's what they think. And it's wrong. So in the same way, when Jesus tells his followers, you will not recognize me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And all Muslims would get this immediately. But Christians do not pronounce peace and blessings upon Jesus when they say his name, right? Mm
8: -hmm.
4: But Muslims do this every time we say the name of Muhammad. Peace be upon him, Mm -hmm. or any prophet, even Jesus, or anybody from another religion, we say, peace be upon him, peace and blessings be upon him. And then this, yeah. the, this the second part of that is, who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, in a biblical mm-hmm. sense, this could relate to the book of, of, of the prophet Joshua, because this was, an ap- this was a, a term that was applied to him. So it's not something that other, any other prophet can't be, that can't come in the name of God. But what makes it striking is, every Muslim knows, every chapter of the Holy Quran, except nine which is a continuation of 8 begins with the sentence in in the, in the name of god the gracious the merciful and the, the connotation is i begin with or i come in the name of god the most gracious ever merciful and that to me is sort of like well how do you how do you not get that you know what i mean no. and that's exactly where when i read that verse for the first time i was like literally,
6: oh my God. <laughs> now, now, Gaffar, but, Jonathan Gaffar, I want to I wanna pivot here for a second since we are getting pretty close to time. And, right. I, you know, one question that I want to ask, and, and, and hopefully there's kind of a, a, a couple of high-level um, points that you can share with us, is, is you know, nearly everybody around the world, um, you know, whether they're Christian or not, believe that Jesus died on the cross. Are there, are there, I know, and I, I know Imam Joy had to kind of introduce this topic and, and, and share yeah. some points, but are, what historical facts can we look to to kind of, you know, verify this, or, or even convince ourselves of this of this statement?
4: Yeah, well, literally, we could do several shows on the topic based on, on the physical type evidence, right? And so, from a biblical point of view, this is kind of really where, if you have to go anywhere, you just need to go to Deuteronomy 21-23, uh, which is the statement that he who hangs on the cross, or hangs on the tree, is accursed of God. That's all you need to look at, because from a point of view of, of who should you believe about whether somebody is true or not, you believe God when he says, you know, that, that if, if my prophet or my messenger or my messiah is put to death by the state as a criminal, which is what crucifixion was, he's false. Now you got to remember, the Jews, his enemies among the Jews, didn't want that type of Messiah. They wanted the warrior King David Messiah, like Imam Joya was telling you. They wanted some warrior guy to show up and and fight the Romans and drive them out and give them back their kingdom. That's what they wanted. So when Jesus shows up and says, you know, repent and reform yourselves, which is why he came. He came to spiritually cleanse them, and they didn't want that. So they had to get rid of him. And they knew if they just killed him, which they could have done easily it would have made him a martyr. But if he is put to death by the state as a criminal, then you can, you can just ignore him. You can pretend, you can say, hey, he's false, look, he died on the cross. And it's what the Jews tell him. They say, if you come down off that cross, we'll believe in you. But the only reason they put him on the cross is so that he could be disproven to be their Messiah, because they didn't want him. And so, just for that reason, He has to survive the crucifixion somehow, or he's accursed. And Muslims believe he's from God, right? Muslims believe in Jesus. So if if Christians are people who say they follow Jesus, Jews, or whatever at the time, that's why they all ran away, you know, at the time of the crucifixion, and they denied him? Because they're thinking, wow, he's on the cross, he's not coming down, he's going to die. So it became a foregone... Conclusion in their mind that Jesus had to be a false Messiah, so they all they all you know like ran away, right?
7: And so, so Jonathan, to, to, uh, sorry to cut you off to wrap things up since we're getting close to time. What would be your message to our viewers who are now you know in these precarious circumstances of the coronavirus, as to the importance of having the promised Messiah for the age? What is the importance of you know me who's just living his own own life to believe in the idea of a promised Messiah and to believe that he's come?
4: Well, I think the idea is that, of course, somebody wants to be saved from whatever. I mean, that's kind of normal. And so, part of it is we want to believe that somebody actually, that God actually loves us, right? That he cares about his actions, as you punish people or whatever. It, that's a natural reaction, is you're going to turn to God when you're, when you're uh, life is being threatened, right? Your, your existence. And so when that happens, essentially, there has to be something in place to answer that need, right? And that's fundamentally what what a Messiah does, is, is that him or his community and the message that he brought is meant to focus people on what's really important, to sort of get right with God, but more importantly, to, to give you the roadmap of how you can do that, right? It's like if you want nearness to God, you got to have a method, you got to have a training, because if you just say you're just an atheist and you're like, oh, how do I get near to God? You, you don't have any schooling, right? You don't have any way to know what to do. And with Islam, the reason we believe Mirza Gullah Ahmad is the Messiah and he, that he's Muslim is because Islam has the most complete, methodology to teach you how to get nearer to god and to stay there right that's the point right nearness to
3: god not just like a visitation yeah and and, and and, that's well
7: said
6: and you know jonathan i I think that's such a great point is everybody's kind of just looking for answers and and nearness to god in this time and 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 we really thank you so much for joining us today on the show uh may peace be on to you and and we look forward to hearing from you again
4: yeah thank you it's been a great show listening.
6: So, you know, Usama, we covered so much today. I think this was probably the the heaviest show that we've done. you know, in summary, we kind of covered the uh, understanding of most religions of the awaiting the promised or the the prophesized Messiah to come back in the latter days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Imam Joya introduced this concept of the Amity of Muslim community that the that Jesus did not die on the cross, but in fact survived the cross, and then he, you know, he had introduced the fact that Jesus had actually migrated after the cross throughout the Middle East and and into mm-hmm. India, and finally the belief of the Ahmadi Muslim community that the uh, promised Messiah, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, may peace be unto him, is the actual second coming of Jesus, but in the symbolic form and rep- representation. So, I mean, that's so much to chew on, and I, and I think we're yeah, definitely going to have to do multiple parts to this. It is.
7: Yeah, I think you're right. This is a show that deserves separate parts to discuss different issues, and especially for people that are coming into the show and wanting to hear the Muslim perspective on different things and to hear about the Muslim perspective of the, mess- the Messiah, um, you know, there's just a lot to break down. There's a lot that people have in terms of misconceptions and in terms of understanding it from their own religion's perspective, but it's a very unique thing that so many different religions have this idea of a Messiah coming, and, you know, to conflict with what Nietzsche would say, God is a living God, and we see him communicate through us all the time, and the idea of the Messiah coming in the 21st century, or coming in the uh, 20, uh, 20th century, is a sign that um, uh, that God still lives, and that that communication that between his people and his chosen ones is something that still happens and something that we can take advantage of. And this coronavirus is just a reminder of our own humanity, that, that humbling experience
6: yeah.
7: and to to
6: get closer to God. Ab- absolutely, and, and I think we are definitely going to keep this conversation going. Uh, definitely, dear viewers listening at home, join us next time so we can continue this discussion, and, and you know, we've set up the high level today, and we're going to start breaking this down into segments and start discussing, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus uh, not dying on the cross, uh, Jesus traveling to India the advent of the second reformer, and so we thank you very much for joining, and hope to see you again next week. Assalamu alaykum wa peace be on to you Allahu
2: akbar Caa Loma
0: Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed.